Welcome, Wildcat fans, to another edition of the Cattails Podcast, talking all about Weber State Athletics. I'm Paul Grua, and we are joined by Weber State's Athletic Director, Jerry Bovey. And Jerry, I guess this is a, a farewell of, of sort, as Jerry has announced that he is leaving Weber State after 10 years as the Athletic Director. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, me and you. Yeah, I didn't think when we did our last podcast, the next one would be uh, just you and I talking about this place and yeah. my feelings about Weber State and yeah, it's kind of surreal. Well, what better guest to have on since you and I started this podcast a few years ago. So today we want to talk to you, get no, to know more about you, maybe a little bit about uh, your decision to leave, but but mostly focusing on on some of the, the memories, the success, the, the things you've learned and the ways you've grown yeah, in the last and 10, 12 years. It's a combination of both, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. So you came here in 2007 and worked the first two years uh, in the administration department on the university and then... Uh, took over in 2009 as athletic director. So at this point now in, in your life, uh, why the decision now to, to move on? Well, uh, you know, I've been here 12 years. And, and interestingly, as my wife and I have talked about this, I, I spent 12 years at the Utah High School Activity Association. And so... Get that 12-year itch, I guess. I have a 12-year yeah. itch. But I, you know, certainly a few months ago, this wasn't, this wasn't really in my thought process. But when the opportunity came up, you know, I have ties there, my wife from that area, we started our career there, and the opportunity to work with John and, and the folks at Utah State uh, just seemed like the right time. And, you know, there's never really a good time to leave a place that you love. But leaving right now, um, with where things are here and the accomplishments that we've all made together, I don't know that there's a better time. Um, Football's in a really good place, and yeah. we'll be ranked in the top 10 to start the year, I believe. Um, you know, basketball is always, in my opinion, going to be successful and at the top of the big sky. And the other sports, uh, softball wins another championship recently. I, I just think that from top to bottom, the department's in as good a place as, as I've ever seen it, and so maybe that's the best time. You certainly don't want to leave a place when it's at its low. And I think we're at a place where somebody else will get to come in here and, and put their stamp and their leadership skills to work and, and see where it can go from here. As we look back a little bit on some of the things, and I want to talk about some of the ways that you've grown. And like you said, even some of the failures and things. When you started here in 2007, obviously you're from Ogden, so you're, you didn't go to Weber State, but obviously familiar with Weber State. We've talked about this before. You went to several games growing up, right, as a, yeah. as a kid, knew a whole lot about the university. Yeah, I, I had spent a lot of time on campus um, just through my high school years, and, and I dated Randy Wooster's uh, sister <laughs> there you go. in high school, and so I would come with their family to games um, and got to know the Wooster family and, and spent a lot of time here just watching watching those greats. Um, I remember my dad bringing me to to the NCAA game and, and seeing Bruce Collins and Mark Matos and Ben Howland and, you know, on and on, Todd Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up, you know, coming to games here and then, and then ended up leaving to go to Logan, to go to Utah State. I got a nice scholarship up there and kind of started a, a new phase in my life there and it's just it's kind of come full circle so I got to come back home to be here 12 years and now I get to go back to where I started my career met my wife and hopefully finish my career yeah, there absolutely you know people have asked uh I'm sure they've asked you or, or have thought well why would you leave as an athletic director to go to now a position where you're not the athletic director you're probably the number two the deputy 
AD, but why why that decision? Uh, it's just a different it's a different challenge. It's a different opportunity um, financially. It made sense, um, you know, but to be, being able to work in an FBS school, and we'll see where things go down 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 the road. Um, maybe there'll be other other opportunities up there in the future. I don't really know, um, but it felt like the right thing to do. It'll be a lot like what I do here. Um, it's a bigger staff and a bigger department, so really there's a lot of similarities on a daily basis to what I think I'll be able to do up there with what I've been doing here. And it gives me some new challenges yeah. and some new things to reach for. So when you came back, when you came here in 2007, after leaving the high school association, as you said, for, for 12 years, what made you look at the opportunity to come to Weber State at that time in your life? Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting question. And we've thought about that a lot. I, I, uh, I was set up there. I thought to, to ultimately be able to be the executive director and, and high school association work is a place where a lot of people go and spend 20 or 30 years. You know, Dave Wilkie that I had worked with there, he was there his whole career pretty Evan much. Exel, Evan Exel, some Exel of those was guys. there yeah. 15 years. Yeah. I mean, it's a place where you kind of go and you settle. And, and mm. so it wasn't even in my mindset to leave at that time. Um, but I've always been uh, also engaged and with the opportunities to grow. And this was a challenge that I thought fit my suited my skills and um it was just exciting to to be able to get back into collegiate athletics Uh, i had an affinity for that there's something about being on a campus that you can't just describe to people to see the students walking around here and you know they've got all these dreams and aspirations of doing and being amazing people in their lives and and you kind of you kind of get a little it's it's like drinking from the fountain of youth a little bit to work on a campus so that intrigued me and I had gotten out of that when you're in an office and in a more corporate setting I got to work with high school kids at state championships but nothing like yeah. on a daily basis daily being basis. around our athletes you started actually again as I said working in the administration where you oversaw several areas of the campus but you had a, a certain role for sure in involving athletics especially on the academic side and the compliance side, right? Which you had to help with. There were some challenges and some struggles at the time. Yeah, and I, I think it was mostly due just to the size of the department. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, you were here at that time. It was all hands on deck. We all had to, to share in the load. So when I came here working in the vice president's office, I was able to have some of those responsibilities in a support role. And they were areas that I had experience with, albeit at a different level, um, at the high school level, but but the governance of high school compliance, if you will, on a daily basis is is much more rigorous in some ways than it is in the collegiate realm because you're dealing with 140 to 150 member schools. So I brought that experience here, and I think it was helpful to the yeah. department, and it gave me an opportunity to use my skill sets to support uh, what was going on here and to work with uh, Jerry Graybill, who was the athletics director at the time, to to see what I could offer to help the department grow at that point. In 2009, you become the athletic director. If you could go back and tell yourself then, what, what advice would you give yourself then to what you know now? Um, you know, in a way, I think it's good that you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> if, if you knew what you, you knew, you know, after some experience, we may make a lot of different decisions in our lives at the time, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think I would, I would say, hey, be open every day to change um, because it's going to come in a variety of ways. And, you know, you'll get to a place where you think everything is settled and in its proper place. And there's so many working parts in an athletics department at the Division One level. 
and there's so many different stakeholders that you're always, um, you're, it's like you're always putting out little fires in some areas. And as soon as you get all the fires snuffed out, there's usually either one smoldering somewhere that really wasn't put out or there's a new fire that's gonna start and before you know it, it just starts to burn. So I, I think it would be be open to change, uh, be open to new ideas, don't walk into a situation feeling like you've got the answers and, and you've got to take some time and be a little patient with letting things um, settle. Yeah. How has the job changed in 10 years that, since you became athletic director? Um, it, it's gotten more complex. The, the financial structure's got, gotten more complex at a national level, but also here. Um, and so being able to, to, to do more with less, I think, is something that we've gotten really good at from a skill you know, acquisition. Um, our staff here has learned to focus on what matters most, I think. You know, we have this mantra here, and you've heard it before, does this help us win? Yeah. And we try to put our time and resources to those areas that help us get the biggest bang for the buck for student-athlete well-being as well as, you know, for the fan base and for every aspect. And I, I think it's changed dramatically in that way. Yeah. How can you ex- describe maybe what a day is or is there such a thing as a typical day but your schedule as you said there's so many stakeholders there's so many things going on is that part of the fun that you like about it right is there so much diversity perhaps every day yeah for me the busyness of it is something i'm a little add i'm the ad add ad Um, and i find that a lot of my peers are so you know being able to handle a lot of different uh, situations on a daily basis it's it's like the the Chinese acrobat that's got plates on the sticks and there's a lot of plates going in. You have to focus on all the plates, but you also have to give more attention to the one that's starting to wobble. So that part, I think, has been something I've really enjoyed. Um, There's not a typical day, although you come into it with a plan. There's more meetings um, at a higher level, so you dip down in all aspects of the department to provide guidance and leadership and vision on the different aspects on a daily basis. So a lot of your day is spent in different meetings, whether on lower campus or in the department, just making sure that we're setting the vision and the tone for who we are. It's easy, and I think it's easy in any industry from a CEO level to get out from under what your what your goals are, what your vision is, and what your mission is if you're not paying attention to it every day. So this in this role, you know, I would get to attend meetings and in sports information and and marketing and you're trying to look at your revenue stream so there's a a big component with development looking for you know we've outsourced our marketing um, which uh, took us some time to figure out what was going to work best for Weber State but I think we got to a really good place there and Adidas contracts there's there's so many different contracts that are always needing to be looked at and and the industry's changing so fast that it's hard to stay ahead of that curve so I mean, there's a, going to games, yeah. it's just a byproduct of it. The strategy that it takes on a daily basis to help a team get better is the fun part. The going to the game part is really the outcropping of all of that work yeah. that happens in the off-season to see how it turns out. And, you know, from a fan perspective, it's we just want to win and win championships, and we all want that inside here too. But it's really rewarding to see with what you had to work with, the choices you made on the student-athletes you bring in here, and what can result from that. And sometimes taking second or third is very rewarding based on the fact that 
you know, we had to work really hard to get to that point. So, you know, it's harder sometimes to be the best team and to end up actually winning the championship. And there's, in a weird kind of way, there's sometimes less satisfaction than than being the team that's down and has to overachieve. You know, I look at Coach Ray's first year um, in his job, uh, coming in with all new players and then winning the conference championship as maybe more rewarding yeah. uh, for him than coming in with all returners and the, you know dealing with the pressure of having to achieve sure. what you're expected to achieve. So sure. there's a lot of that. Um, building a coaching staff and hiring coaches that then come in and you can see uh, if you get it right that that they actually did what you envisioned when you interviewed all the different coaches that they pulled that off. So Coach Amicon coming in with where we were in softball, that's been really rewarding to watch that process um, all take shape. And then volleyball. Volleyball's another one. You know, your fans may not care as much about some of these Olympic sports, but when we work with these people every day and get invested with our student athletes, you care about them just as much as any of the others. Absolutely, and you have to. That's one of the areas I wanted to discuss is hiring coaches and uh we're going to talk about, you know, John L. Smith. We'll bring that name up too. But, but there have been other, you know, successes and failures, as there is with any, you know, hiring, of course. But what characteristics have you seen from those successful coaches uh, that – and how hard is that process to hire a coach? It, it, you know, I made some mistakes early on because if you – when we tell our student-athletes who are in on visits, if you get stuck with just the name on the door and you don't kick the tires and look under the hood – you're going to make a bad decision sometimes. And so sometimes you can just look at what their achievements have been, um, what their past success has been. And, and if you let that be the only factor you're looking at, oftentimes you can make a bad decision. You can have a successful a, a coach that's been very successful at UCLA or at Louisville or anywhere else and, and just erroneously assume that they're going to come here and bring that same magic to this place. And that's a bad assessment of talent because there's different resources, there's different pieces in place at each of those institutions that may line up perfectly for success that may not at Weber State. So I think you have to dig deeper than just what they've done in the past. And I've made some mistakes, no question, on getting caught up in that. So now what I look at, first of all, I've been doing it so long that I don't want to work with anybody I don't like. <laughs> I mean, that, that seems like an easy one, but it is brutal to work with someone that you don't respect and they don't like being around and having to deal on a daily basis with the strategies of, of their sport. I don't want to do that anymore um, in my life, it, with staff or anything. Um, and they have to like you know, me with all my faults, weaknesses, and quirks. So part of it is, do we, do we fit? Um, is, there, is there a... A relationship there that can thrive and then you got to look at you know what attributes do they bring to it that match with who we are so in the case of coach hill it was really important to to see how successful he had been on in-state recruiting i think that was a a key to our success how do we take kids from how do you assess talent it's obvious that you you know you got to be able to assess talent but how can you bring kids here that are from our state and build a basis around that and then add elements from outside. And he had done that. That yeah. was as big as anything. Yeah, absolutely. So as we go back, with, with particularly with football, as we talk about coaches, and we're visiting with Jerry Bovey, the current athletic director at Weber State, for just a little bit more before he heads off to Utah State. 
as we talk about football, uh, your first few years, uh, you, you, you worked with, with Coach Mack, Coach McBride, and then he uh, made the decision to retire in two, after 2011. And did you get caught up, like you said, and maybe some big names like a John L. Smith, who was an alum, a guy who played here uh, and had had success in a lot of different places. Someone I think you knew from Utah State, yeah, right, from your days I there. I worked with him there. Obviously, no one expected what happened with him. But what was that process like? What do you remember? And what would you maybe have done differently? If Yeah, I think a little bit you did. I mean, I did. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that I thought fit. The, being an alum, I think, is an important thing. I mean, having a, a deep affinity for the place that you're going to, and, and if you bring an alum in um, that fits, uh, you always have a greater chance of success if there's a tie there. And if you look at the trends around the country right now, a lot of hires have a basis in um, that they, they, they at least started there or they know the community. I look at LSU, they just brought an athletic director that's been at Washington, that's been at Texas A&M, but he had ties to LSU. And so that's appealing. And I think in a lot of cases you can win there. You, you, you know, that's a checkbox that works. Um, I think that uh, the fact that, you know, he was near the end of his career and that was a model that had worked well for us with Coach McBride. Um, Coach McBride didn't have ties to Weber State, but he had ties to the state of Utah, and he was a public figure here that people really, Absolutely. and he can recruit. Yes. You know, he can recruit local kids, and he has an eye for talent. So that worked. Um, maybe we were trying to catch lightning in a bottle again with bringing in John L. I mean, I, I think in the long run it could have worked. Um, now, once he got here, there were a few things that came up. You bring in someone that comes from a resource-rich background, and he had been at at a Big Ten school, Michigan at an SEC school, yeah. um, that was going to take a little time for, for him to deal with the realities of, of how hard it can be when, when the resources just aren't unlimited. And we were seeing that early on. But, you know, he had had success. It's obvious he could coach. He'd been successful at every level. Louisville, I mean, Idaho. Right. Uh, yeah, he had Utah big State. sky ties, a lot yeah. of big sky ties. Absolutely. Yeah, so all of those things kind of made sense. So, it, it you know... This one was one that it was just a quirk of a situation that happened in Arkansas. So, which is a strange because that's Bobby Petrino, another tie that he used to coach here at Weber State. But and right, we, we got to go down the down the path and tell the story of of John L. leaving. Well, so I I had started um, I had been working on this committee with the NCA that I'm still on the committee on academics and um, we meet for sometimes five times a year for a few days in Indianapolis at, at the uh, NCAA offices. And I had left, so the spring game was on the Saturday night, I believe, and he and I had talked. We Jokingly, we had talked um, after the Bobby Petrino situation all happened. We jokingly talked in the hall here one day about, you know, they're probably going to come looking at you. And he, of course, shucked that off and... So in retrospect, maybe maybe <laughs> the idea was put in his head during that two-minute conversation. But uh, I had I had flown and and was leaving on the Sunday night to go to Indianapolis for a Monday and Tuesday meeting, and we talked after the spring game. He knew I was leaving. That would have been a perfect time for us to have that conversation. It just didn't happen. So I'm in flight. I land and I've got three messages from him. The first message was, "Hey, give me a call when you land." Second message was, hey, you really have to call me tonight. The third message was some something effective. There's a press conference tomorrow, and I need to talk to you tonight. So I knew something was up. 
I called him on the phone. It was late there. It was it was like eleven o'clock on the Eastern time zone, and I called him and I said, "Are you leaving to go to Arkansas?" And it was quiet. And at that point, I knew he had made the decision to go. And uh, so I called you right after. Um, yeah, late that Sunday yeah, night. Late Sunday yeah. night, and said, "Hey, tomorrow could be a crazy day in the office, and I'm I'm here, and I'll have to figure out a way to get home." But uh, uh, I sent a tweet out, just a cryptic tweet that you and I joked about. That why did you, what are you thinking? And people thought Randy Ray was leaving. Right. And then uh, later on that day, um, well, I come in that morning, and no, he hadn't told his staff yet. Yeah. None of the coaches knew, and I went and talked to him and said, "Hey, Jerry called me last night," and he's, "Oh, yeah, okay." And but nobody else knew it. It was business as usual that yeah. until about the afternoon when it started leaking it started out. It started to leak out around <laughs> noon. Interestingly, I I was sitting next to the now commissioner of the SEC, and we've become friends. And I came to the meeting a little late that morning because I'd been on the phone trying to work out details. And I sat down. And I said, "Well, I know who your next coach at Arkansas is." He was the associate commissioner of the SEC at the time, and he said, "No, you don't. Nobody does." And I said, "Yeah, it's John L. Smith." He called Jeff Long. Who's the AD in Arkansas, Arkansas yeah. and said, I know, who I know who your new football coach is. Of course, Jeff said, nobody does. This is the best kept secret. He goes, it's John L. Smith from Weber State. Jeff Longs at that point said, how do you know that? And he said, I'm sitting next to the athletics director at Weber State in a meeting at the NCAA, and you haven't called him yet. <laughs> so we had a conversation later. Um, they were kind enough to wait an extra day uh, to, uh, to have a press conference. Uh, although you were here and he caught a plane out the back yeah, door. Yeah, he snuck out the back door. He, I mean, we had it leaked out for the through the AP or someone in Arkansas early afternoon, and so obviously we got lots of calls. But he didn't want to talk about it because he was going to do a press conference the next day. Roy Burton at the time was a Standard Examiner beat writer came up. Marty Renshoffer from the uh, several others came up and tried to talk to him, which I don't blame him. They were waiting, but the he didn't want to. Here. Yeah, so they're in the hallway. He didn't want to talk. I went down and told him. He said, "I don't. I'm not going to talk to them." And and so he and I came back out. The out back door, right? I came back out to the to the foyer in the hall and said, "I don't think he's going to talk to you, but you can wait if you want." They 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 thinking that they'll just wait till he leaves, and they didn't realize that there's a back door. And he so snuck we out. affectionately call the and, back door of the John L. Yeah, exit. And, and in the new building, there's a back door now that will perfect. Know, if he had any money, we'd probably get him to sponsor the John L. Smith the stairway. But then he flew. Then he drove out to the airport and flew out that afternoon, and then it was announced the next day. So yeah. and for, pretty wild day. For and you came home, day, I think that yeah, night. Yeah, I got home yeah. late that night. Um, I think. Uh, or that afternoon, maybe, I, I think I came to the office and, you know, that was a difficult flight home. I, I went through, am I going to get fired? Uh, this is a this is a debacle. It's, it's going to set the football program back. Now what do you do? The last coach that he had hired had just moved his family into town that week. So you've got all these assistants with a year contract, which we really couldn't afford. And it's late April. It's, it's hard it's to get a head April. coach. Uh, yeah. Recruiting is pretty much done. It's not the time to hire a head coach. So... We made the best of it as best we could and, and had a, a difficult couple of years. But I look back on that and you grow from it. I mean, the one thing, you know, in that flight home, that was as long a flight home from Indianapolis as I've ever had. And I went through all the emotions of, am I cut out for this? Is this, you know, this is a huge error. Maybe I won't make it through this. And in the end, um, we took the approach that, you know, we're going to own it. We're going to make the best of it, and, and we're going to get publicity for Weaver State nationwide for a couple of days. And 
and bad publicity is still publicity. And, and so the way we handle this and our tone is going to make a difference. And, you know, it, Dan Patrick lit John L. up the next day, and Weber State came out looking, I think, yeah. better than, than now, we could have had we taken an approach that, you know, poor Weber State, poor us. We're just the little FCS school that is, again, taken advantage of by the SEC. There were a lot of things we discussed, but in the end, we took it head on. We, You know, you were taking calls, I think, from Wall Street Journal, USA Today, yeah. New York Times, Washington National Post. National papers all over. Yeah. It was a busy time, but it was an opportunity for us yeah. to tell our story, and I think in the end, it worked yeah. out. If you ever hear smile, we always think of John Smith. <laughs> yeah, we, for, those, for those listening, we, we kind of had some fun with it. If you go to YouTube, you can hear a lot of fun John L. Smith uh, sound bites, and we would typically start our staff meetings. Uh, Paul would play a little John L. Smith. We'll play some bite. of these Maybe right you now. Can, you can play some of these here in this podcast. Get up a little bit, okay? Get your chin up. Smile. Smile. Okay? Dang, you guys all right? If not, I'm not talking. Let's get rolling. Okay. I always have that memory of John yeah. L for sure. Yeah. You 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 make the decision, as you said, with the situation there to, to hire Jody Sears, who as everyone has always talked about, one of the a great guy, really a great guy to work with. Uh, but as you said, had a couple of, of difficult seasons. I look back on that, and, and Jody is as fine a man in this business um, as anyone I've ever worked with. And that was difficult because I wanted it to work. Uh, we had a difficult first season, and I think it it really bows to the character of him that he got a second season after going two and nine. Um, he's just such a good person that we all wanted that to work. and he was in a difficult situation and you know I was really happy for him after he left here that was that was a hard day too uh have you know anytime that that's somebody's losing their job and their livelihood of their family you you feel responsible in in a role of an athletics director for everybody's family you've had to do that a couple times how hard is that it's hard uh because you know if you pride yourself on being honest and and you try to be as good as you can be when you have to deliver bad news like that it's very difficult and there's some anger that comes into that into play and bitterness and i always tried to be as dignified as i could be for them but in the end it's a hard thing you know i i don't know that i'll ever have to face that it's a very it's in our business it's a possibility every day uh, that you think about it and you know Jody handled that with class, and, and I was really excited for him when he ended up going to Sac State and then, you know, in a quirk of fate, having of the same yeah. opportunity there. You know, I found myself really cheering for him, other than when we played them, uh, that, that it would work for him. So it, over the years, that's been the hardest part about this job, for sure. Uh, Jay Hill comes along. A guy that people had maybe heard about a little bit as a longtime assistant at Utah, but probably not super well known. In fact, I remember being in your office when you mentioned that this John L. Just Jay Hill's name is is up there on the list. So, how much did you know about him, and what was the process like in hiring him? I think sometimes you have to have a little luck. I hear I hear um, athletic directors talk about having the short list on their desk, and I do think that it's important that you have an idea of some people that are out there, but. The timing of hires is so unique that you can have as good a list as you want, and the reality of it is, is until that moment happens, your list is just a guidepost. Um, 
So I had a I had a list like anybody else, but I hold no illusions that you're going to end up hiring the first person on your list. Yeah, and I'll I'll say also that just being around you, anytime there's a coaching change for whatever reason, within hours your email gets hit right oh, with it, yeah. hundreds sometimes yeah. of people saying. I'll like the job. I want the job, you know. So. Either by candidates or, or by for someone else. Really or, famous people yeah. that they have called for them. And I've always taken the approach just to kind of go underground and deal with the, you know, the information that I'm interested in. You can get distracted very easily in those situations and end up spending a lot of unnecessary time running leads out that just don't matter to the university. So. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent, my style's always been I'll, I'll deal with the ones I'm interested in. You take it all in and you kind of develop a, a, a booklet of these are all the people that are interested, these are all the people that we're interested in, and then we triangulate. Um, I just would rather spend the time making calls that are productive toward what we're looking at. And Jay, interestingly enough, uh, he and I just connected um, on a few different conversations. Um, he, he had an interest, but but from a coach standpoint, uh, you, you want to be careful that you don't show so much of an interest if you don't get the job or it's not, it's not something that the institution really wants to go down that path with you. You got to keep things going at the place where you are, where you are employed. And sometimes we can make mistakes that we're so into getting a job that it hurts us where we are. It's a delicate balance. So Jay was very careful to ensure that you know he was still solid at Utah, but he was interested. And we talked a few different times um, about strategy, and then I started to do my background on him, and everywhere I went, um, it was hands down. In fact, I, I've shared this. Gary Anderson, I called him at Wisconsin, and his words were, if you don't hire Jay Hale, you're an idiot. <laughs> now I get to go work with him. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, uh, he's pretty... Uh, you talk, you talk to Kyle Whittingham, you talk to Mac, you talk to Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. all these people that Jay had worked for and were mentors to him, and they all spoke so highly of him. Yeah, it, it, it came back the same. So when we, I remember uh, we had a basketball game at UVU. You were there that night. We had a tough loss. I was in a bad mood uh, because, you, you know, you never want to lose to in-state, those in-state games. And I'm driving home, and, and on a whim, I called Jay. I said, hey, we've got some time in the morning. I think it was a Thursday night. We've got some time in the morning. I've got a couple of people I'd like you to visit with. Can you be here at 8 a.m. in the morning? And, uh, of course, he said, absolutely. I tell this story um, that during his interview, uh, and we had three or four of us in the room on campus, during his interview, he pulled out of a little bag um, kind of a, a strategy booklet that he had put together with, I mean, it was detailed. This is how I will run the program. This is the philosophy. This is what practice will look at. He, I mean, it it was a an 80-page booklet on everything Jay Hill intends to do and with what he believed we would become. And it was it was impressive. It had the logos all right. I mean, it was a sharp booklet. And a, a little receipt falls out of the bag, which I picked up. I think I still have it somewhere. And it was like one in the morning uh, from Kinko's when he went to copy that the night before. So he worked from the time we talked around 10 p.m. all night long to get ready, and he was sharp in his interview. We went on a, a tour, and he'll even say he was blown away by what we had here, and then it just went from there. It was the right fit. And, but interesting people I got to talk to uh, along the way in searches, especially that search. You know, we went through four football coaches in a, in a in two-year period. Five, yeah, well, yeah. 
Um, so that I got to talk to a lot of interesting, some famous uh, coaches and people along the way that were all, all pushing their candidate. You know, Jay, the first year was still a struggle record-wise. There were 2-10, but we could tell that things were, were, I guess, going in the right direction. But as you look back on these last five years that he's done now and the success that, that has happened with back-to-back titles and three straight playoffs and ranking third in the country, so many things. I mean, it, how does that feel? What, it's yeah, unbelievable it, to it, think about where we were to where we are now. Yeah, it's special, and that's probably the thing, you know, I've been asked, what are you most proud of? I'm proud of a lot of things that we've done here, facilities that we've built, but that's certainly one of the one of the things that I'll never forget and I'll always cherish because uh, of where we, where we were. I mean, Coach McBride had the program moving in the right direction. We had some playoff appearances, but we weren't able to crack the wins in those playoff, you know, in those playoff opportunities. And to see where he came, and that's one of the things as an administrator, you, you do get ownership in that. You do go to practice. You are involved in your part of it, and it's mostly in a support role, a resource role, and and you you know you have to decide how much do you give and take on what they want. A coach, coach, I always say they fly at ten thousand feet and they clip the treetops. So on a daily basis, they're coming in saying, "I need this" or "I need that." You know, it's like watching a golfer try to fix their golf game with all these contraptions hanging around in, you know, different clubs and whatever to get your head right. A a coach can kind of be that way with all these expensive tools of the trade. And so your job is to kind of help them get what they need, keep them them rolling in the right direction. And so I'll never forget some of those key wins along his path as a head coach where you're standing on the sideline at the end and, and, you know, Robert Casey's caught a few of those pictures that I'll always, I'll always keep because to see the joy on his face and to and to see my happiness and kind of give him a little hug after some of those big wins at Southern Utah, you know, one of the biggest ever was being down, we're, we're down twenty three, with eight minutes to yeah. play and coming back to win that game against your rival. Down twenty two, one by two, one by one, but yeah, twenty three points yeah. straight. Yeah, amazing. That that was as a magical night as I've ever been a part of, and so it, you know, th- that trip home, those trip homes are fun. The trip homes from, you know, Colorado State after being in my first year, after being. Uh, down two with 30 seconds left on the three-yard line, getting ready to kick a field goal and then fumbling. That, that's the longest trip home because it's what could have been and what would that have win done for the program. So you have those highs and yeah. lows that are, that are great. We've we mentioned of. the Big Sky Tournament in your, your first year as well in 2010 when up by 20 at halftime and, and lose the game to Montana. And yeah, I had the blessing of being the athletic director and on a really good season. We won the regular season. We were assured of going to the uh, – to the NIT, and we're up 20 at halftime. At home. At yeah. home. And you kind of start to book the flight uh, in a way, and I learned you never book the flight until the final second ticks off the clock. But I get home that night to, you know, to a, a son now that's on a mission, but, you know, he was eight years old thinking his dad had the coolest job. To, he's crying and saying this job stinks. This is terrible because there's so, so many highs and so many lows. Mm-hmm. And you got to kind of balance those all out. So I've been a part of a lot of yeah. highs and lows. And then this, you have to deal with coaches through all that too. And yeah. yeah, you have to kind of set your emotions. You don't mm-hmm. get really your time to mourn. Um, you do it in your private places, but then you've got to be, uh, you know, I got to find where Coach Ray is. I mean, we we talk about at that time, uh, you know, he went off the grid for a couple of days and. You know, unfortunately, in our community that's used to winning basketball games, he gets a few for sale signs 
uh, posted on his lawn the next morning and you know they're human those things hurt and so we had to get him back because we had a nit bid that still is good for the i think we went to t uh, was, cincinnati, uh, cincinnati that yeah. year and you know we're on the we're on the bus on the way to the game that night in Cincinnati in the NIT, and I get a call from an athletic director that wants to hire him. Uh, so, you know, it never ends. It It's always, there's always something you're churning to get done to help the institution where you where you work. You mentioned a few games. There's been hundreds, so it's almost impossible to answer this, but are there some other, are there, are there other games or memories that really you'll take with you that stand out to you? Yeah, there, I mean... Um, those w those wins at Southern Utah for sure. Um, um, you know the one that we didn't get. I just so much wanted to see a football win over an FBS school, and it'll happen. It'll happen here. Um, I know it will happen. It could happen this year, actually. Um, uh, basketball wins. Uh, man, there's so many of them. The win, the win in Reno to go to the NCA. Yeah. Um, the first year in Reno, I believe it was the first year in Reno. Uh, that was a big one. Um, the win over Utah State in in basketball after, oh, I don't know, so 18, years. 20 years up in Logan. Mm -hmm. The football win one. at Montana was the football a big one. football win at Montana <laughs> was as big as, yeah. as they come. Um, you know, I, I think uh, softball, there's been some amazing softball yeah. wins that we've been part of. Um, Every sport, really. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and then yeah. in the individual sports, seeing, you know, like tennis. We hadn't won Ten some conference yeah. championships yeah. in a while, and Brad came in here and got that turned around, and we're in a better place there. Um, You've been a part of now 20 conference championships uh, in nearly every sport across the board, and and you've seen some success. A lot of All-Americans, a lot of individual athletes that have earned and gone on to great things. We'll talk about a few of those still, but... Those are some things that you'll always remember, I'm sure. Yeah, and they're yours. They're, you, you never lose that. And, yeah. and you know what? Some of the losses, as you look back, the pain and suffering of, of a hard loss, and you find yourself just, I mean, our role as, a, as an administrator or support staff is different. We, our wins really come from the wins of the people that you bring in here and, and, the, and the student athletes. And so it's, it's in a different place. Yeah. Um, but there's a huge amount of um, personal gratification that comes when you get to be part of something that is really special for a community. Just some of the, even the last two years, the playoffs have been so great, but then two tough losses at James Madison and Maine, and it leaves you in a different situation, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah what sure. could have been. I think back to the year we, we went to the championship of the CIT uh, and, and lost on a buzzer beater against East Carolina. You know, that was a magical run that was fun to be a part of. I, I'll never forget Don Oberhelman, who's at uh, Cal Poly, when we were up 45 to 12 or 13. I mean, we were whacking them at home, and he came over at a timeout just before halftime and said, we'll never come back here again. <laughs> and I've been working on him the last two or three years to, to do a home-and-home home in basketball, and we didn't get that done. But those kind of things, you know, you'll always, yeah. you'll just always cherish. <clears throat> One of the things that uh, have you've often been, at least I've, feel that one of your successes and strong points as you leave your legacy perhaps is has been facilities and the facility growth that has impacted every sport across across the campus and across the department why has that been something that you wanted to focus on and, and what are you proud of in those areas early on in my time here i had the opportunity to meet with someone and i won't say who it is because he's still in our business but 
he, he was a part of watching um, early Big Sky success of Boise State and Idaho. And his, his words just rang true to me that, um, that if you're going to move the program forward, you need to do it by creating the infrastructure for that can, that can sustain success. And he used those two. And I'm not putting anybody down of their decisions, but but as you look at what Boise State did when they made the move to FBS, um, they they built facilities up. They really were facility heavy and tried to build those facilities. Others that maybe make the move uh, may take the approach, and I won't say any any individual institutions because I respect them, but. Uh, some take the, mo- the, the the mindset of if you build it, they will come. So let's just get in it, and then hopefully your fans, your revenue streams grow to the point where you can you can provide all the infrastructure. Uh, the, those that have sustained it are the ones that built it uh, before. So I always believe that you got to build up your infrastructure, and so we started from from day one. And I'll never forget, you know, Bob Marcourt was a big visionary leader for us as a program he was the first to step up and write a million dollar check in his living room um, to see us begin to build that and it started with some turf and the track and then you know we've grown from there and over the years i think we've had more million dollar donors in the last 10 years than maybe we've had in the history of the institution for athletics and you know we're proud of that and that's a team effort it's the administration buying in it's all of our staff our development team but it's our coaches that that succeed and give these donors a reason to uh, to invest and you know we've been every sport has had some addition or some improvement to their facilities from tennis to golf a golf indoor facility Um, football's had a lot you know basketball we've done things at the d um, the Marquardt Fieldhouse, with with all of that's that's benefited all of our sports. Just just all of these, the the academic the academic stadium house, sta- yeah, was big. Yeah, uh, we were doing this in a back room, in a closet, and and that that investment showed you know academics was important and it helps in your recruiting. So lots lots of different things that we've done over the years that all make a difference, yeah. and they're still going. And you're to be commended for that, and the new football building coming up, uh, opening this this fall you've had the privilege to be go to a lot of places travel to a lot of different states and games and even some different countries uh, around weber state and i've been had the privilege to be on on several of those but you've had some fun road trips a lot of different places that you've uh, been able to go and and see some different things and see games in different places what yeah, are some of the I mean, craziest ones and memorable well, ones? Well, places like the Bahamas and St. Thomas kind of speak for themselves. Don't want to spend too much time on that. It almost makes you feel guilty that you get to go to that and call it work. But We went to Grand Forks, North Dakota, several times, yeah, too. Yeah, we've been to Grand in Forks. In the cold and, and Missoula. And you know what? Those games are fun. And those to, are fun. You know, uh, I won't get into the weeds on this one, but uh, meeting some, some of the more intoxicated fan bases around the country and how fun that is to be on the sideline or uh, at courtside and hear you know hear their passion for their team those are things you never forget i'll never forget going to texas tech (laughs) and meeting a guy on the first row behind our bench that tom shirtliff said do not engage with this guy and you know that's like an invitation to engage and to hear their passion and they don't stop cheering for their team in very interesting ways with very colorful language (laughs) Um, but Boston College was a, was an amazing trip. My first 
that was my first uh, Boston College and Texas Tech were the first two FBS games that I was able Your first to, season yeah, yeah. In, yeah in the first season we had we didn't have games that year and we had to go find those um, you know Cal Poly is as beautiful as a place uh, as you'll find to, to play a football game and, and to visit Pismo Beach I mean they live mm-hmm. right on the beach there in Pismo Beach um, We've been able to go to Fort Myers and play teams there. I mean, it. it it's Even been, taking the football team to Washington D.C. for the playoff game was a neat experience for them to see that. That was a big trip to see a lot of young men that had never, you know, set foot in our nation's capital, and to take them to the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial, and to see them even, you know, some of our. Uh, our black student athletes sit on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on the spot where Martin Luther King gave his amazing speech was it, that was priceless. Um, you know, to see him go to the the wall, the Vietnam Memorial. Uh, you know, yeah. we took an extra day there, which some coaches that would have been a little more myopic would have said this doesn't help us win. But Coach Hill had a bigger vision, and I think those things do help you win in the long run with the culture of your program. So that, that was a priceless yeah. opportunity. There's so many from coast to coast that you've, you've been able to go to and Texas to the, the hurricanes and that we went through in Boston and a hurricane in Louisiana with yep. McNeese, McNeese State. State. And, and getting there, picking up Coach Graybill yeah. at uh, in Beaumont, Texas in the pouring rain. The uh, those are, those those are, are great memories. memories. The horse, you and I standing next to a, their horse, McNeese State, in the end zone and it decided to drop shop there after asking one of the attendants, does this thing ever defecate on your field? And of course he laughs at never and it did right in front of us. Those are, those are just fun experiences. Um, some we can talk about, and some, as you know, we just can't talk about. Yeah. But I also think of uh, spending a week with softball in, in, at the University of Washington, one of the storied programs in the country for softball, and having rainouts and being stuck there for you know, six days. I had read Boys in the Boat, and so I was able to go down to uh, uh, you know, the old boathouse where you know, Pocock and the boys... Uh, you know, worked out and just just to see yeah. that history and to see these beautiful campuses around the country is yeah, priceless. They are, and these are but these are trips that really you're there you're there for the athletes and there for the games. You've gone with cross country to the NCAA championships in Louisville, yeah. I believe. An amazing and, opportunity yeah, to just, see the NCAA cross country with you know we finished in the top twenty mm-hmm. uh, for the first time ever, and to to be part of that, um, you know, that was as rewarding for for me as anything else that we've done here. We've talked about several of them, but any other accomplishments that you're really proud of that you'll that you'll think will leave a, le- a lasting legacy here at Weber State? Um, I, I think uh, probably doesn't get as much discussion, but to watch the lives of the yeah. student athletes, I think more than all of this stuff we've talked about, for me personally, the, the, the fuel that continues to motor the engine, if you will, is to see these athletes come in on the recruiting visit, to be part of that. And and then to see him come in as freshman, not knowing, you know, wh- where do I go? Where do I go get my books? How does this work? And then a change starts to happen after that sophomore year. They start reading the USA Today. They start thinking about politics. They start thinking about the world around them and how they can make a difference rather than what can you do for me? And to see them become adults and then leave here and after a couple of years on a football sideline, have a couple of your former athletes come back and give you a hug and say, hey, thanks for the effort you made and that our people made um, to help my experience be all that could be. 
Um, the faculty here at Weber State are, are outstanding. They are engaged in the lives of all the students because they care about it. And to see that connection, you know, when I do exit interviews, that's a big part of, of what they love about their experience here is that everybody at Weber State was engaged in helping them become a, an adult, um, ready to go out into society and make a difference. I think for me, that's as rewarding as anything yeah. we get to do. And, that's really the point of all you, this. In you've the end. developed great relationships with those athletes, and, and you've had, obviously, things you can't share with us, but you've had times where they've come in with some very difficult things that they're facing or that have happened to them or that perhaps they've done, and you've been able to, to mold that relationship. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the biggest difficulty for your fan base is because we get so caught up in... You know, what makes you a fan is following the X's and O's of the team. The wins and losses. But these are real yeah. people, yeah. and they get depressed. They, they get suicidal. Um, they, you know, they, their parents die while they're here, um, and we have to help them pick up the pieces. And, you know, their real world f- affects them just like anybody else. They make mistakes. They, they make, make poor decisions. They, they get they into trouble. Yeah, There's... They, they get intoxicated, and they yeah. do dumb things, or they commit a crime, or... And you know the world would say throw them out. They're next, next, next up. Well, you know part of our responsibility is to help them, and sometimes it is to let them go, that helps them. Other times it's uh, we're gonna make get you on a plan and and to watch them succeed. They they take substances into their body that that hurt them, and and we fight for them where they need to be fought for, and we and we you know punish them when they need to be punished. And so in that case, it's like being a parent of 350 student athletes and that's that's a fun thing and then the staff uh you know we get to work with non-coaches that tend to be a little bit more stable in in the long run i mean you've been here how long 15 years already and then as a student and a student before that i remember talking to you once about the fact that you've never been outside of I haven't lived necessarily. I mean, I've traveled, but I haven't lived outside of a small area. Yeah. But you've seen the world yeah. um, from this job. Mm-hmm. You've seen places you never dreamed you'd Absolutely. see and yeah. experienced things you know, in big-time facilities that have been fun. And uh, that's, that's rewarding. It is. And you've, you've done a great job of creating a culture here, of your, sharing your vision. What have you learned about leadership? You've worked for three presidents, three different presidents, in Ann Milner and Chuck White and Brad Mortensen, all great leaders. You've worked for Dr. Norm Tarbox for the whole time as a great leader. What have you learned yourself, though, in leading people and in, in the quality of leadership? Um, I think more than anything is to develop compassion. Um, we have a job to do, and, and the people that work with us and for us have to perform. And sometimes that means that uh, you know, they have to go other places. While that's very hard, there's a way to do that that can be um, compassionate. Um, uh, to me, it's it's you know you know we hear the term servant leader all the time, and I think sometimes that can be a self-aggrandizing term. You know, I'd like to be called a servant leader, whatever. I, I think in the end, um, trying to be who you are and to to acknowledge you know what you bring to the equation and to uh, to not get outside of that, to not uh, read your own press clippings, and by the same token, not give too much to the negative uh, that happens. We joke about the underwear boys, and that's you know that's how I get through the day, knowing that there's a certain group of society out there that's on an anonymous blog that likes to t- you know where it's easy to be anonymous and criticize. That's just the nature of the beast. 
and in a way, it, you, we celebrate it. You have to have thick skin, don't you? You do have to have thick skin because everybody has an idea, and from from our different perspectives, we all know how to run this a little bit better. So, I I just have tried to not take that stuff too too serious. To uh, I mean, only I know the motives um, that I've tried to have in all the decisions, and I make mistakes. Um, there's times where I do get too transactional in different decisions. But in the end, um, if I'm going to be the best leader I can be, I've got to learn to be more compassionate and more honest and more true to my values and morals and, and do the best you can. And to, for the most part, I think I've been able to do that. You know, um, I can look back on a lot of decisions and, and realize I made bad ones. You know, the decision to leave it this time. There's, there's some in, in my life that are very upset about that, um, that feel like it's not the right decision. And in the end, it, you know, I'll have to live with whether it is or isn't. But um, first and foremost, I, I'm responsible to my family. Um, and, and then everything else comes after that. And for me, um, you know, I'll, I'll just take with me the opportunities that I've been given. To try to make the most of them, you know, true, you know, Dr. Tarbox took a chance on me and Ann Milner took a chance on me when they hired me. I didn't fit. I didn't have the resume probably that that was as appealing as others may have had. So I've always tried to, to drive myself to live up to their decision to give me a shot. And I think I've done that. And um, so, you know, I leave here feeling really good about what my efforts been. And, and what I wanted to do to best help serve this community and this institution. I've made great friends, uh, lifelong friends here that I'll always keep regardless of you know, how I'm leaving. Um, that never is really an easy thing to do, but I've had so many texts and emails, I can't get back to them all. So I was really uh, glad for the opportunity to talk today. Yeah. If anyone listens to this, I at least get to say thanks. Yeah. Thanks to the, the donors, the sponsors, the community, the politicians. I mean, I have been able to grow as a person by, by rubbing shoulders with all these people. The faculty on campus, the administration, our staff and our coaches. I mean, I, I am most blessed to be to being able to spend 12 years of my life here. And it's been a blessing to my family. Well, thank you. It's been great for you too, or for us, <laughs> you know, to, to be part of that. Just a couple other quick things um, that I wanted to maybe mention. You had to deal with the, the death of a head coach, Jeff Smith, a golf coach, women's golf coach, longtime coach, who was not only a, a, fab, a wonderful coach, but someone that was so loved throughout the, the community of Ogden. And you had to deal with that, who died while serving as a head coach. Yeah. Something that a lot of, not a lot of 80s perhaps experienced. Yeah, um, I always anticipated talking to my peers that, that if any – if I had to deal with any death, that would be from a student athlete because there's so many that, of them. On and that does days. happen. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have that um, in my time here, thank goodness. But um, you know, Jeff Smith for me was one. There's nobody that loves with a greater capacity that I've ever met in this business than him. Um, he would come in on a daily basis and just build me up. He would build you up. He everybody in his world. I don't ever recall being well, ever to pay for a meal with him. He'd, he'd be too fast. He'd, he he wouldn't he let would you go behind the scenes <laughs> and pay for it, knowing that okay he's going to try to pay today. So he'd always be one ahead of you. I I don't think I ever did. Not because I didn't want to, just because he didn't allow it. And he's not the highest paid coach in our, in our, uh, he's not the highest paid staff member. 
Um, in fact, it's really highway robbery that, that some of the coaches get paid what they get and they still stay, but they have to find resources elsewhere. Uh, Jeff Smith lived a simple life, but he built everybody he was ever around um, and made them feel bigger than, than they really were. And I'll always be grateful for yeah. being able to, to spend time with him. I didn't know at the time that maybe I was one of the only ones that knew he was sick. Yeah. Uh, he came and talked to me early on and said, I'm going to deal with this. I would prefer that you don't tell anyone. Um, and I'm not always the best at keeping secrets, but for some reason I, I kept his confidence. Um, to the point where I had to ask him at some point, you have to tell your family members or I'm going to. And I think late in the game he did, but nobody but Jeff knew how bad it was. I mean, he was in our office on on the Friday before he died, and still trying in pain and struggling and fearful, and still building everybody up else around him. So when I got the call from from his brother that he had passed away, that was I think that's the only time I've cried here. It was a huge loss to the Weber State family, but it was a huge loss to the world and the Ogden community, and um, that was a hard, a hard week. Yeah, for sure. sure. Real quick, before we let you say a final goodbye to, to our fans, how have you changed now as you look back in the ten years as athletic director? What skills have, are you grateful for? What have you you learned, and how how much do you think you've changed? Well. I've benefited more from being here than I than I think the university has or the Ogden community. There's no question about that. I'm, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously. And I think, I think for me, um, the skills of just being genuine, trying to be genuine, um, has gotten better as I've worked with people. You know, um, it's easy to tell our story. This is a special place. And so, you know, I talk about it and people would say, they'll listen to this and go, why, why are you leaving? If it's such a special place, why are you leaving? Sometimes I think we just need to be challenged. Uh, my family needs a challenge. Um, we're comfortable. We're comfortable where we live in our little neighborhood. Um, we're comfortable in our, in our church. Um, and I think discomfort is where you grow the most. And so... You know, I'm leaving a really good place for a place that I think is a really good place. There's more than one really good place in the world. And I'm excited to go back to a place that I started and probably stop my career there. So I, there's no question I'm excited about the opportunity. But I leave this place with nothing but fond yeah. affinity. I mean, I told Coach Hill, when you make it to Frisco, I'm going to buy my own plane ticket and incognito figure out a way to get there because I just want to be part of it with you and with what what it would mean to this institution and this community so I think more than anything skills of just trying to help other people around you get better has made me better yeah. and I don't know if I've really grown into a more skillful leader over the years just trying to be me and not complicate it well speaking on behalf of the fans and behalf of coaches athletes and staff that and the fans that, that you've impacted it there's been so many we appreciate you so much you and i started this podcast like we said about four or five years ago you kind of want an opportunity to kind of share your message and to tell stories and to tell our story you know and that's what we've done and, and we will continue this uh, here at weber state 
not exactly sure in what form, but we'll continue certainly telling these wonderful stories of people that we have here. But I'm going to give you the final word here. We haven't made you cry yet. Maybe we'll see if we do that. But as you have the opportunity now to, to say farewell, you already said some things, of course, but I'll give you the final word as you, as you think of the number of people that have impacted you and affected you and that you've touched and reached their lives. And we haven't even talked about some of the numerous student athletes, including Damien and Sarah Collister and so many that we haven't even talked about. But, but anyway, as you look back, think of the people that you've impacted and, and the memories you've had here and, and I'll give you the final word for a, a farewell to our fans. Well, I just I just would say thanks. Um, you know, this community took a chance on on a kid that grew up here, went to Ben Lomond High School, and um, I hope I've I've made everyone proud to be associated with Weber State. I'm excited about the future here. I'm going to cheer for Weber State the rest of my life, other than one time a year, whenever a, uh, you know the the team where I I work is playing and. Um, uh, but I was that way with my alma mater. When I came here, people said, is it hard to play Utah State? I said, no, I want to I beat them really bad. And that's just part of being in competition. Um, but outside of that, I'm going to always cheer uh, for Weber State. And I'm always going to look you know, at what you're doing and what all the others are doing. I, I have always looked at, if, if I make a hire as, a, as an athletics director, as a leader, and that hire goes on to do amazing things that we can be proud of, I see that as a... As a as a reflection on, you know, Weber State being making good choices. You know, we're all proud of Damien. We're all proud of Amber Henry. We're all proud of all of our student athletes that go on to do amazing things in their career athletically or in life as doctors or whatever. You know, Todd Harper's a doctor. We should be proud of that and celebrate that. So I feel the pressure to go on now with the rest of my career and do amazing things to reflect that this was a good decision that Ann Milner and Norm Tarbox made. And I feel that pressure and I want to be better to show that, you know, Weber State's a really uh, a leader to me in FCS in, the, in, that, in that level um, in the NCA. We're well thought of. We're, we're in, from the NCA level, they think highly of us because we do it right here. So I just am appreciative for the opportunity. Um, I can't say thank you enough to the people that have reached out to me. There's been so many texts and emails and phone calls, and to me this is a way for me, hopefully, to let everyone know how appreciative I am of the support I've been given, and I want to continue to, to do amazing things to prove that um, this was a good decision, <laughs> that, that, you know, that I started here. I'll always have affinity for, for the opportunity I've had here, and, you know, this is going to come to a conclusion for me at some point in the next 15 years. I'll, I'll go on and do other things, but I'll always, I'll always be part of this, and I'll always have great pride in my hometown and uh, hope for the best. So thanks to all of you for, for putting up with me and, and for letting me do what I do, and uh, my family and I are very appreciative.